1: Everybody, and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Gurr. My name is Kevin Gurr, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Wopsit, George Cup.
0: Hello everyone, this evening Callow and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. So this evening we will be discussing: is sports people's off-field behaviour important? Who should be the next leader of the Conservative Party? And lastly, does the coronavirus still scare you? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, in the last show, we asked for
1: you guys to send in your questions for me and George to answer. And we've had some really, really interesting questions come through the first one's from holly holly says do you think we're going to go into another national lockdown very straight to the point george what do you think
0: um i i think the simple answer of this is is how you would define lockdown i don't think that we will go into a a straight lockdown that we saw previously um when the coronavirus was first around and we, and we were going through um very severe lockdown where we weren't really allowed to to go out mingle with people we're allowed one exercise a day and so on and so forth. Um, but I do definitely think that as winter comes about and um I predict that the coronavirus will keep rising as we are seeing. I think yesterday there was a news report or sorry I should say on Friday there was a news report um that came out that said six there's, there's been a 60% rise in coronavirus cases. Um, and I think this is going to carry on as the winter progresses and, and people are getting obviously colder, staying inside a lot more. Um, we will see, unfortunately, a lot more of the vulnerable, um, become ill. And that's just a, a natural kind of event that happens through because obviously it's harsher times. It's colder and a lot more people find it harder to, to stay healthy through those times, especially those that have already got, um, terminal illnesses or, or, or are of the age that they can easily catch things um i think as well in winter it's it's quite a a norm for people to go inside to places um and, and mingle around lounges and, and areas such as that um and i think that that is 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 often A danger because obviously during the summer we've had the luxury of having gorgeous weather which has allowed us to sit outside and potentially be social distance between one another Um, but I think as winter comes around and we we will have more rain and harsh weather I think those kind of events and gatherings will be obviously a lot harder to to take place so I do think that we will see some kind of lockdown um, but I do not believe that it will be as harsh um, or to the level that we saw previously what do you think Callum?
1: Yeah, I think broadly I'd agree with, <clears throat> excuse me, what George was saying. Um, I mean, I think probably if we're going to see similar um, uh, similar uh, restrictions placed on us to what we saw in, in the last national lockdown, it'll be on a much more localised level. Um, I, d- I don't think we'll have the situation where um Boris Johnson himself is announcing we're going to close all of the pubs and restaurants across the country we're going to close the schools uh we're going to limit um you know social interactions to effectively just your household I don't think we'll see a situation where Boris Johnson himself is saying that for the whole country but we may well see local council leaders or, or local health authorities or or whoever makes that announcement, announce it for specific maybe districts or, or boroughs or, or, or indeed maybe counties as well. Um, but even so, as we've said in previous shows, I, I don't think it will take on the exact same restrictions even as what we had or certainly not in the same order, I think, as we discussed in, in the, the last show. Um, the, the schools, for example, will be one of the last things to end up um, shut in this time, whereas obviously they were actually one of the, the earlier things la-
0: um, last time. Yeah. Um, our next question comes in from Thomas, and he says, do you think we have more to explore in the world, or do you think we have discovered almost everything? Well, Callum, what do you think? Um, I think well
1: see I, I initially i was thinking we've explored everything but then i remember seeing something about i, I can't remember the exact statistic on it but basically a lot of the ocean is in it is unexplored and it's, it's unknown because it's, it's very very hard to get to the proper depths of the ocean so i suppose on that level we haven't explored that there, there, there is more that we can discover um within if we're talking about our world as in the planet Earth, um, even so, if, if we're talking about the world more as a a, a broader thing to incorporate in maybe our, our solar system or, or our galaxy, um, then uh, evidently we haven't discovered almost everything as well. And, uh, you know, I think with um, advances in, in space technology and space exploration... we we will explore more and discover discover different things so I think for me that answer kind of depends a little bit upon what we're defining the world as but either way realistically I'd say we you know there's there's a lot more to explore there's a lot more to discover um what, what do you think George?
0: It, I think it's a, a really interesting question actually and, and something that not is often uh, thought about uh, I I do believe that there is still some extent of the world to be explored and, and I don't just mean in terms of land mass I mean in terms of the creatures that are still, still um, undiscovered um, as Callum rightly says there are vast stretches um, and depths of the ocean that haven't even been touched upon um, and they would hold life that Obviously hasn't been discovered. I mean, in 2019, last year, there was 71 new species of animals found, um, and that was everything from a lot of them were sea life animals, um, but also there were some spiders and and um, some different creatures as well that that were actually land animals. And I, and I think that is is quite incredible to still have that quite large amount of number of animals still being discovered when we are, I believe, quite far on in our exploration of of the world that we live in um and i and i definitely agree with Callum that if we are going to define it, the world as kind of a further afield and looking at, to outer space then we've got so much more to discover and and, and i think in actual facts um it's quite exciting to, to see what is still possibly out there and what is still to be discovered and even in the, our small world um we are still discovering things and, and i think it's quite amazing that we are still have the the ability and and the the drive to to find these new creatures and um i think it's quite amazing definitely
1: uh and next question's in from lucy lucy says do you think the world will ever go back to how it was pre-coronavirus will it ever be the same again sounds like a song doesn't it george
0: <laughs> go on and sing it
1: uh, maybe later
0: <laughs> Thanks, Callum. Um I it's I don't think we uh we will ever go back to how it was pre coronavirus. Um unfortunately. I think as much as as lovely as it would be, I think there are certain elements of um the way we live our lives pre lockdown. Um that, that will just stick. And, and, and I think that if we look at the workplace um, working remotely, I think a lot of companies have, have actually realized that it is actually um, a system that can be put into place. And it, they can allow their um, employers to to work from home and, and still do a decent job. And I think because of that, we will see the idea of of working in offices completely change um, in the near future. Um, And I think that companies will find it a lot cheaper to not rent out office space and just allow um, their employees to work at home. I also think that possibly the way we are Wearing masks, I think that maybe that might be more of a thing that is kept on. I think people will be a lot more cautious in in wearing masks and things. I mean, I know there has been an uproar about wearing masks, but even still, um, I think that masks might be something that does just keep on um, for the longer. And I think that people, especially the older generation, I think they will kind of find more comfort in wearing a mask, even when this pandemic does settle down um, whenever that will be. But what do you think, Callum?
1: Yeah, I think, unfortunately, Lucy, or or in many ways, unfortunately, I don't think the world will go back to how it was pre-coronavirus. But I suppose, in a way, I'm going to look at it from a more positive side in in terms of I think it may well end up making us more kind of conscientious citizens as such. Um, I I mean, I I remember reading somewhere that... um, when pe- obviously when people sneeze um certainly in this country anyway people always say oh bless you uh, and that that's actually a hangover from the, the i think it's from the black death and, and the plague that, that went around then so all the way back in kind of the medieval middle ages um so that that just shows how these things can kind of stick uh when it comes to to pandemics um, but I think the, the impact it's going to have is very similar to what what George just said really I think um you know th- we will wear face masks more often I think especially if, if you've just got a, a cold or something like that but you still want to go to work I think now we'll be a bit more conscientious and say well, well I'm going to wear a face mask then just uh, to try and limit the risk of, of spreading that to someone else. Um, I think we may well end up washing our hands more often than we were, but particularly the male population, who I think were often a bit more guilty of not washing their hands. Uh, and as George says, I think flexible working will become more commonplace. I mean, it already has, but I'm hoping that that, that kind of continues and that companies keep that attitude towards it being a really viable option.
0: Yeah. And uh, quickly, our last question comes in from Adam. And he says, do you think Facebook will ever not exist? Well, Callum, what do you think there?
1: No, I don't think it will. Um, oh, well, uh, maybe when the world ends, it will not exist. <laughs> when there's like an apocalypse or something. But I, I don't think that Facebook, in the kind of current world in which we live, Will, will ever not exist I think it's now almost too big to fail you know even if it started not making much of a profit you know someone else would come in and, and rescue it because it's it's well I mean it's got so much data available for one um, and just in general it's just become such a big part of people's everyday life and um, that I, I now think I just can't see a world in which Facebook doesn't exist what about you George?
0: Yeah, I think that um, you're, you're spot on, Callum. I, I don't believe that Facebook will ever um, not exist because it's just it's such a, I don't know, involvement in people's lives now. I think that the platform itself has obviously, as, as time has gone on, it's, the, the the people that use it has changed. It's kind of become more of a like a mother's meeting site. Yeah. Um and I think that the the older generation um and when I say older generation, I think those over kind of thirty five maybe over forty are the ones that use it a lot more in terms of postings and things um I mean talking from my own experience i I kind of only use it to just to look at what people are doing um but but that's it really um but i i don't you know overly go on there to share things and everything i the only thing i use facebook for i suppose is it's kind of my political page um but that's about it um so i i think that as much as it won't go anywhere i think the kind of the the layout and, and the way we see it today will definitely change to the people that use it and i think the people that use it will be a lot more of the older generation and of course one day that will be Callum and myself so uh Maybe we will be using Facebook a lot more. And
1: the listeners, of course, will will be, be amongst that as well. Right then, remember we'll be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. We've reached time for the first song break, so we'll be back very soon.
0: Hello and welcome back. So uh, let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. We're asking, is off-field behaviour of sports people important? So obviously sports people play a vital role in online social media. They often have a very large following. And as such, they can have a very big influence on what people do. And I think a lot of people, maybe rightly or wrongly, um, look up to them in the way they behave. We have seen different examples of the way sports people have behaved. For example, with Harry Maguire, um, he's behaved rather badly, um, being arrested recently when he was abroad. And also, if you look towards um, people like Lewis Hamilton, where um, he has been sharing some questionable things regarding the coronavirus. And obviously, these all have impacts. And we're asking that's why we're asking whether or not it is important. Of if if the behaviour of sports people is actually making an effect on how people could behave themselves or whether it can affect their actual role within those sports. Callum what are your thoughts?
1: I think that their, their off-field behaviour is important because as you say people do look up to sports people at the end of the day and and Even if we, you know, concluded right now that their off-field behaviour isn't important, it wouldn't take away from the fact that many kids especially really look up to to these sports people. and They they want to emulate them. And often that means they want to, you know, emulate their views, emulate their their personal life in many ways. So, So that's why it's very dangerous when you, as you say, George, you've got people like, Lewis Hamilton sharing questionable things about the coronavirus, Matt Letizia who is a, now a football pundit but he was um, a footballer himself, he, he was sharing very questionable things to do with coronavirus and um, we've seen um, f- the footballer Jack Grealish um, getting involved in, well a, a few years ago he was involved in a in a kind of drunken bust-up, I think, um, when he went on holiday. And, and now he's been involved in, in, well, I think it was drink-driving in the end, in the middle of the, the lockdown. Um, and I think all of these things are really important. I mean, it, obviously, if we're talking about it from a sports perspective, does it impact their performance? Um, I, I mean, I guess you could make definitely a case that obviously their off-field behaviour is going to have an impact on their performance but but looking at it from an objective point of view in terms of is it important to understanding whether or not they they are performing well on the pitch then you would say no it's, it's probably not but we can't look at sports people isolated at the end of the day it's, it's the point I'm trying to make in terms of their behaviour is always going to have an impact, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch, um, because of all, all the kids that will do the club to them. What do you think, George?
0: Yeah, I, I think that often um I, I don't know, I, I often feel that sports people kind of forget the influence and the role that they have outside of their their workplace, I suppose you could call it. Um yes, they are they do have to act professional Um, And rightly so, when they are doing their jobs, whether it's playing football, whether it's racing a a car, whether it's um, hitting a ball, whatever it may be. Obviously, in that role, they often do become uh, come across very professional and very sportsmanlike. However, I think it's quite often that we see, as Callum has given examples, when they step away from that um, field, um, they are then they then behave in, in rather questionable ways and and choose to to share things online again that are rather questionable and by doing that i think that they are creating um a a kind of a false story a, a false um identity a, a false way forward that shows that it is okay to behave that way when you're not in the place of work uh, and i think that they do often forget the the followings that they do have i mean some of these um sportsmen have sportsmen and women i should say sorry um have uh millions of followers on social media and of course whatever you share on that is going to make an impact on who is reading that. Um, because I think a lot of people, um, especially if they're young, um, will see that and think well, if a sportsman sports person is sharing that that is has a lot of influence and, and and everything that must have some element of truth um and i think that it's a very dangerous thing to 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 do also with regards to people like harry maguire who got arrested that again is showing terms of um behavior that is just not acceptable you you should not do that um and i think that it's it's if anyone else was in that position, where you know you got arrested and and was seen drunk and disorderly and so on, I think you would lose your job. Whereas we haven't seen that really with Harry Maguire, um, and I think that that is important. We we unfortunately um don't have the discipline. I think that is needed for some sports people because it can have an effect and an influence on those that are watching um and taking. Uh, you could argue advice and, and guidance by by watching these people um, in the, in the professional way.
1: And do you think, George, that in a sense, I mean, obviously we've both said that they're, that that their off-field behaviour is important, but I suppose the the other side of it is, should we actually cut them some slack? Because I mean, uh, obviously a lot of these people have trained all their life to do well at their sport, but they haven't trained all their life in many ways for the off-field aspect of that you know they're just an ordinary human being trying to go about living their life um and if if we take the example of the various sports people that have shared questionable things when it comes to the coronavirus and and face masks and things like that do, do you think that we should cut them slack on this because often, I mean, this is a little bit of a generalisation, but often then probably not as well educated, certainly, as what scientists are who, who, you know, should be up to date with the coronavirus and things like that. And therefore, why why does their opinion matter as such? And if it's an ill-informed opinion, does, does that really matter as such, given that, that, that these aren't pretending to be experts, often these sports people. I mean, what what do you think, George?
0: Well, I, I think firstly, I, I do um, somewhat agree that that we should be showing them some level of, of ease um, in terms of their own personal life. I, I do think that it is wrong that there are obviously paparazzi out there seeking to find them when they are misbehaving or or doing something that they often maybe shouldn't be doing but I think everyone does get into that role you know I think everyone does occasionally have too much to drink everyone does do something that they will later regret Um, but at the same time as much as I do have that opinion when you are training to to become a professional sportsman uh, sorry professional sports person you kind of I think have to take on the 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 kind of responsibility that you will be followed by paparazzi and you will have a large following. Um, And I think that that is is given in any field when you make a success of something, whether it's in politics, whether it's in business, whether it's in sport, you will have a following of people because you are a successful person and you will have people that respect your opinion and respect what you are trying to say. And yes, I agree as much as they aren't necessarily experts in the areas that they are um, sharing opinion of it. I don't really think that means that people pay less attention to it. I think sometimes the danger there is actually people pay more attention to what they say because quite often you'll find that I think especially the young generation don't like being told what to do by the the professional know-it-all but often will react better to to the person that they feel that they can relate better to which is quite often a a sports person or or someone in that position that has that large following. Um, So I think yeah, it can actually be more dangerous with with what they're sharing and what they're saying. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, no, I,
1: I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, I was only really playing devil's advocate as such. I think certainly uh, th- their opinion shouldn't in a proper meritocratic society, their opinion shouldn't influence people more than what a scientist is saying when it comes to matters of the coronavirus, of course. But the reality is... that that it does and therefore it is important what they're doing and they have to use the the power that they have. They have to use that effectively. Uh, I mean, George, do do you think that there's any sport that is, that their sports people are generally better at understanding this responsibility and power they have and using it effectively? I mean, I, I think, I mean, maybe it's just because of the fact that generally it's considered to be the most popular sport in the country but generally it seems to be that that footballers are, are very much guilty of using this in the worst possible way their off-field behavior but do you think there's a sport that's that's a kind of a shining light of doing it right
0: unfortunately I really don't think there is I I, I think that you have um people that do well in in the shining light um in in any sport um but then you obviously have those again that are um sharing the, the questionable things on social media so unfortunately i don't really think there is a, a specific genre of sport that actually um shows sports people to, to be behaving in the the right way and, and sharing actual professional guided advice um I, I, because i think unfortunately when people get to a certain point, they often, I don't know, share things, whatever they want. And, and um, I, unfortunately, in that for that reason, I don't think there is any specific sport. Um, quickly, Callum, very quickly. Do you think this, as much as we're saying about the, the problems with coronavirus and stuff, I suppose you could argue it's, it is to do with behaviour. Do you think then it's right as well that we see sports um, people get involved politically? I mean, I think the biggest person to to, to look to is is Gary Lineker. Do you think it is right that we've seen him often shout his opinion regarding Brexit um, and things like that?
1: I think any public figure who decides to voice their political opinion is perfectly entitled to do so. But they should expect some kind of backlash because, I mean, it's always a, it's always a role. And obviously by backlash, I mean, you know, a, a debate, obviously never any kind of physical harm or anything like that. But but the golden rule is always that I was always told is never talk about politics or religion. Uh, and I, 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 I would guarantee that there's a lot of PR people for Gary Lineker or for celebrities and sports people that go and voice their political opinions that are saying, don't voice them effectively because they're always very contentious so I think Gary Lineker is perfectly entitled to express the views that he wants to um. but it may, may well mean that he is less popular with certain groups of people and that's always the risk that, that I think people run what do you think?
0: Yeah no I, I, I do very much agree with you um, in what you're saying there but how do you think this poll is going to go?
1: I think m- most people will say yes it is important i'm gonna say 70 percent.
0: what about you i'm gonna say 65 percent um but there is only one way to find out and that's for all of you to go and vote on this poll is off-field behavior or sports people important and you can do that was a radio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back after this Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked, is off-field behaviour or sports people important? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page, that's at Wiz Radio.
1: Right then, time to move on to our third topic of this evening. And we are asking who should be the next leader of the Conservative Party? And don't worry, as well, as far as I'm aware, there's not going to be another election or or any kind of Conservative Party leadership race anytime soon. Uh, but it's always good to have a look at the party that's currently in government and to look at what comes next. At the moment, I think many would consider the favourite to be the next leader of the Conservative Party, Rishi Sunak, the current Chancellor, but there's obviously a whole other host of candidates that that could well end up being the next leader to replace Boris Johnson. Uh, obviously, Jeremy Hunt lost out last time, but He's always a very good shout, seen as a much more moderate figure within the Conservative Party. Michael Gove is obviously seen as fairly similar to Boris Johnson, but maybe with a few less quirks. Dominic Raab is probably much more hard line than Boris Johnson uh, in terms of his views, as is Priti Patel as well. And then, of course, there's that famous uh, Conservative Party politician of other As well. I mean, George, obviously, as a as a member of the Conservative Party, who who, not just who should be the next um, leader, but who do you think will be?
0: Well, I I think that um, maybe some people will uh, predict that I'm going to go for Jeremy Hunt, because obviously um, there's no lie in saying that when the leadership election was last about, I backed Jeremy Hunt and and I helped um, his leadership campaign. I mean, Often that's why people say he lost it, but there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's
1: all your fault, George.
0: It probably was. Um, but I, I think it was uh, I, as much as I do love Jeremy, and I think he would be um, a great leader. I, I unfortunately think that his time has kind of gone a little bit. Um, I think maybe a little further down the line he might be able to come back, but I wouldn't often kind of push him to go for the next leadership election, whenever that will be. Um, I think we've seen some incredible positivity and determination from one person in particular throughout this coronavirus pandemic. And that is, of course, um, Rishi Sunak. And for me, I believe that he should be the next leader of the Conservative Party. However, um, to answer Canada's question, I do not believe that he will be the next leader of the Conservative Party. And that is purely on the fact that unfortunately the Conservative Party often have a habit of refusing those that are young to become leaders. Um, David Cameron was quite a... Uh, um, <clears throat> A rare occasion to have someone like David Cameron come in that was young and 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 uh, very much not at the front of politics um, when he when he came to the leadership and often people didn't think he was going to win um, and obviously he did so I, I I think that Rishi as as fantastic as I think he would be I think unfortunately the opinion of the Conservative Party would be that he's too young um, and doesn't yet have the experience to be there I would obviously argue against that and and. Often the underdog does come about in Conservative Party leadership elections. We have seen it many times um, that the underdog has actually won. but I, I think that it's as, as much as it is important that we see someone like Rishi in, in power, because I think he would bring a new element to the conservative party. Um, he would be a very much a center right, a very much a one nation conservative. And, and I think that's incredibly important moving forward from this pandemic as well. However, I think the next person possibly would be someone like, um, probably Michael Gove or even someone like Priti Patel. Um, and I will be honest with you, I, that, worries me as a Conservative member. If Priti Patel became leader of the Conservative Party, um, I would probably look at what her policies are, obviously, and the way she's taken the party. But I, I would be concerned in her approach to things because, obviously, she's very much... Um, she's probably the the rightest wing you could get in the Conservative Party at the moment. Um, and it would worry me to see which way she would take the party. And because, as it is often been said in the show, I'm, I'm very much I like to see myself at the, the centre right of politics. I like to see myself as quite a reasonable liberal person. Um, and I don't believe that pretty would bring those values to the party. Um, but, of course, it is hard to, to speak in, in what will happen in the future um, but I, I definitely think that as much as Rishi will be fantastic and I think he deserves to be, unfortunately I think that the membership and the the, the um, MPs of the Conservative Party won't back him um, the way he needs to be backed but what do you think, Callum?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think I, I've i got a hunch that Michael Gove will end up being the next leader of the Conservative Party uh, I, I mean, he's he's run for it at least once before. I don't know if he's ran for it twice before. Yeah, he he's... ran
0: for it twice, but then suddenly pulled out.
1: Right. Okay. Gotcha. Um. And I I think that Michael Gove is actually quite an underrated um p- political figure. I think he's. Other than on, on Brexit, he was actually quite obviously very, very much pro-Brexit, which obviously for me personally wasn't in line with my views. But but other than that, I'd say that he's actually a quite a fairly reasonable um, political figure. I'd say he he can be fairly moderate. I mean, if we look at his, I don't I don't know what his current post is, but his time as Environment Secretary is he still Environment Secretary or whatever it's called so he's, now? He's
0: um, he is uh Something like Countess of the ex duchy or what the official. Oh title. yes,
1: that's it. That's that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but but during his time in, in that role, he, he did do a, a a lot of good work. Um, I think he was education minister before yep. that, uh, and I think that's a very much of a, a very tough gig to have. But uh, I recall during the Brexit campaign, um witnessing what a very strong orator he can be Michael Gove. and I think in in a very strange way I th- I think he's almost similar to to Gordon Brown in that Gordon Brown spent many many years on the kind of wings of the leadership but not as leader um and when when, obviously, Gordon Brown did end up becoming leader, it didn't really work out for him. But, but since he's left office, I, I think there's been a a kind of realisation that, that maybe he was actually a stronger politician than many people gave him credit for and that he was actually maybe what could have been an effective prime minister. I think, obviously, if circumstances came in favour of Michael Gove, I actually think he could be a fairly effective prime minister. And I think he'd have an easier job of replacing Boris Johnson than what someone like Rishi Sunak would have or or, or someone who is more moderate to a certain extent. Although, as I say, I don't actually think Michael Gove is particularly not moderate. Um, I, I mean, George, just having a look at kind of the other contenders, is there anyone you want to kind of well, either from the current batch of MPs or, or or maybe that's not even currently an MP, but you would like to see come back and and take the leadership of the Conservative Party?
0: Well, I mean, I think it would be wrong of me not to, to say my, my boss, Sir Roger Go. I think he would be a great <laughs> uh, prime minister. But, uh, but thinking a bit more realistically, um, for the last, I don't know, uh, two leadership elections we've seen, um, I've always kind of backed... Um, one person in particular which is always uh, Andrea Leadsom um, and I don't know what it is about her, I find her rather charming um, and I, I just feel like she's she's got some bite about her and she wasn't afraid to ever be honest and, and say the truth to uh, John Burko when she was the leader of the house um, and because of that I just felt as if she would be a very good um, leader and also obviously she was a Brexiteer as well um, but of course as well I can't deny that I would love to see good old Theresa May back in uh, leadership but I I think obviously given the times and everything and Brexit it just wouldn't work out for her but I think if those things weren't a factor then she would be a fantastic contender but um, who do you have as uh, other Callum? Um, Yeah I mean I think it's an interesting one obviously my lack of
1: knowledge of the uh, Conservative Party kind of comes to the forefront I suppose whenever we do uh, a topic like this, so I don't know the kind of intricacies, um, of the, the different, uh, leaders or the different MPs and what their kind of voting record is. Um, but one kind of contender that's always, to me, um, stood out, um, is actually Tom, Tom Tugendat, who, um, I can't remember what his exact position is at the moment, but he's, he's something to do with the um, with with foreign policy and things like that. And he's been very, very outspoken um, in, in, on uh, particularly on China and the kind of things that they've been doing. So I, I think that Tom Tugendhat um, would would make a great um Oh, at least on paper, he seems to be a very good so he, he would make a, a good leader, I was thinking, maybe an outside shot. I mean, is he someone
0: that you've ever considered? Um, not particularly, no. I, I, As much as I think Tom's a very good MP, I don't know whether he would be a good leader. I don't think he's particularly uh, got it in him. But I mean, as a chat personally he's a, he's a very nice guy um, but I mean we all know the real reason you're backing him is because uh, you covered his election last year yeah so. <laughs> I've got to do an
1: interview with him so it'd be cool to have interviewed the, uh, the prime minister wouldn't it <laughs> right uh, then we've reached the time for another song break but it's time for of course you guys to vote away on this poll who should be the next leader of the Conservative Party uh, you can do that at radio.co.uk forward slash listen and those options again are Rishi Sunak, Michael Gove, Dominic Raab, Jeremy Hunt, Pretty Patel or other. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, we who should be the next leader of the Conservative Party and to find out the results to that
0: poll... Head over to our Twitter page, that's at Wiz Radio. Okay, let's move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And we're asking Does the coronavirus still scare you? So, obviously, uh, we have been through um, hell and back in the last uh, six or so months with everything that's been going on with the pandemic. And I think, unfortunately, some people believe that the coronavirus has magically disappeared and you can go out your daily lives and do whatever (laughs) you like. Um, But that is not so. It is still very present. There is not a vaccine um, and you can still catch it. Um, And as I said earlier on in the show, there has been a uprise in uh, coronavirus cases, not just in this country, but across the whole of Europe um, and especially America as well. So with that in mind, a very simple question is. Are you still scared of it, or are you more scared of it? Callum, are you? Uh, I I think, actually,
1: in many ways, I'm a bit less scared of it that, than, I, than I was. Um, I think probably because when the coronavirus virus first happened and we first started, well, there was the first initial talk about maybe a lockdown, and then it actually happened. Um, I think that then it was very much so this very new and very scary thing whereas because now it's been what six months uh, over six months really since it's really been in the published public consciousness consciousness um good good day for my words um it means that it's kind of lost a little bit of that scare factor and i think that's part of the reason why as you say george a lot of people now seem to think it just just doesn't exist. I mean, if you consider that only a couple of months ago, probably, on if you were on Instagram or on some kind of social media platform and you saw two people in a picture close together, you'd be like, they're not socially distancing. Whereas now, it's it's like back to normal, I think, in many ways, on, on social media with the pictures people post, in terms of, you know, they're they're evidently not social distancing. I mean, I think part of that is maybe not just because it's less... Scary. It's because the government guidance has slightly changed in terms of it's no longer two meters; it's now one meter plus in mm. certain circumstances. Um, but I think it is still evidence of the fact that for a lot of people, from and even for myself included, I don't think it's got the same scare factor. But I would also urge the fact that you know the the actual threat level of coronavirus hasn't really gone down in terms of, if you get it, it's still just as dangerous as it was, um, you know, six months ago. George, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I uh, I do somewhat agree with definitely what you're saying. Um, I, I think that when the coronavirus first came about, I was quite um nervous and I was definitely cautious of what I was doing. I mean I was on the, the vulnerable list due to um my medical issues and, and I definitely was very worried about what was going on. And and you're so right, Callum, when pictures and stuff were about of people not social distancing the, the world went mad about it. And I mean I used to watch programs sometimes and I used to forget that they were filmed out of um the pandemic and used you to think to myself well how are they still together? Um, And it was it was very kind of weird thing to get used to. And I think it's it wasn't just the coronavirus that that worried me. It was the the whole dynamics of 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 the uh, lockdown and and not being able to see people and and things like that. That also got me quite worried and and I suppose scared. But um, as time has gone on and, and the public opinion has changed about the coronavirus and as government lockdown has eased and, and we have, we're allowed to see one another, uh, of course, keeping social distance rules in place. Um, people's opinions have absolutely changed. And I and I am definitely, definitely less scared and, and less cautious than I probably once was um, as regrettably as I am to say that. But even still, um, I think that is many a people's opinion as well. I think that it's it, unfortunately, the way the government has gone around to try and kickstart the economy has kind of maybe misled the, the 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 public to think that everything's more or less back to normal. Um, and I, But also at the same time, I think due to the lockdown and due to the fact that we weren't allowed to see people and go to shops and et cetera, people got incredibly fed up. And I think that people have decided to take things into their own hands um, and have kind of gone with the attitude of, you know, if I'm going to catch it, I'll catch it. Um, I still want to go and see my friends and and be social and I think that's why the government is being seen to be quite a I don't know like a military style government in terms of bringing in these new restrictions of obviously on Monday only being allowed to see six people and I'm sure um, again as we discussed earlier in the show that will go further in terms of measures to to stop people seeing one another Um, but I think that we are seeing a kind of rebellion if you like um, of the general public and I find I will find it very hard hard for to see people actually carry out what the government will suggest they do um, do you think that's a fair assessment Callum? do you think people will um, kind of actually tend to ignore the advice that the government will now give out in terms of measures they have to take to not catch the coronavirus
1: yeah i think there, there is going to be a, a, a portion of the public who do that and i think the irony is probably a lot of them are the people that voted in the government I think probably. I mean that that's probably based on no no real data insight, um, just from personal anecdotes. But um, but I definitely think there is certainly there's always just going to be those people that just ignore the science really, and they ignore the the government because there are a lot of people who have a real problem with authority. If you yeah. think about it, even in terms of in school. They're probably mm. the exact same kind of people so those that wouldn't listen to the teachers when they were, you know, just trying to do their job are the exact same kind of people now who probably won't listen um to what to what the government's
0: saying. Yeah, a bit bit like you, Callum, the absolute troublemaker. Oh yeah.
1: School.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know me. <laughs> I
1: was I was definitely not a teacher's pet at all.
0: Not a all. <laughs> If you ever wanted to find Callum, he would be in lunchtime detention. Um, (laughs) How how do you think this poll's going to go?
1: I think it's going to be roughly 50-50, but I'll say that more will say it still does scare them. So I'm going to say 60%.
0: What about you? Um... I'm going to go the other side and I'm going to say 40% will say that it does scare them but um, as always there's only one way to find out and that's for you all to vote on this poll does the coronavirus still scare you and you can do that a at uk forward slash listen and we'll be back after this break Hello and welcome back. So for that break, we asked, does the coronavirus still scare you? And to find out the results of that, please go to our Twitter page, that's at WizRadio. Well, unfortunately, 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 it has come to that time of this evening where Callum and I do have to say bye-bye. Um, so thanks very much for listening to To Discuss Discussed With the Cup and Go. We do really hope you enjoyed the episode.
1: So as mentioned earlier, for the
0: first segment of next week's show, we'd like you
1: to send in your opinions. And it's on the question, do you trust the current government? You can send in those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at wizardradio. So remember to send in your opinions on do you trust the current government? And we are really looking forward to hearing those next week. But it's now time for George and I to say ciao for now.
0: So I've been Callum And I've been George Cup. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of to be discussed.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about.